Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends across the country who still have not taken down their Christmas decorations. When are you going to do that, my friend? I'm preaching to the choir because I haven't done it all either. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times-Picayune, the advocate, and bet.nola.com. And this is Datitude, episode number 42, for a Wednesday, January the 5th, 2022. We're going to talk a lot about the Saints in this broadcast, and we're going to have on ESPN's Mike Triplett in just about 15 minutes to talk about the Saints-Falcons game coming up and their playoff chances and a little bit of who knows what else. We've kind of ignored... um, the past few weeks, what's going on elsewhere. I do want to talk about that here. In the early part of Datitude, um, obviously, yesterday was a big day uh, for LSU. Both basketball, men's basketball, and um, and football. I want to open the show talking about the LSU men's basketball team and what Will Wade has been able to do with his Tigers this year. Um, if you haven't noticed, or if you've just been under a Saints rock, the LSU men's basketball team is 13-1, and one, and uh, had a big victory last night. Now, look, I know it's not the same Kentucky team that uh, we're used to seeing. They're probably not a Final Four-type team this year. Um, but that doesn't take anything away from what the Tigers were able to accomplish last night at the PMAC last night on, uh, as they named the court, Dale Brown Court. And as, as one who grew up watching LSU basketball and uh, loving Dale Brown, uh, we're going to have to have him on the show one day. He's, he's actually fairly accessible, so I think we may be able to pull that off uh, after football's over, maybe in February at some point as the Tigers are making a run. But it was great to see the, you know, of all teams, Kentucky, I mean, we all remember, well, those of us old enough to remember, because I certainly do, the uh, the disaster on Mardi Gras night when they blew a 30-whatever-point lead to the Kentucky Wildcats. So it's kind of a f- fitting, I guess, in a way, that LSU had to make a comeback last night. I think they were down by nine at one point, went on a 20-2 run, and... Uh, and really had to hold off Kentucky because I could tell you for most of the night, for those of you that watched that game last night, there were lots of times when it looked like the Tigers were going to just kind of let that one slip away. And they were able to hold on. And um, great victory for LSU. Because we talked a little, bit, a little bit about it a couple of weeks ago with Zach Ewing, um, sports betting director at bet.nola.com, about how... LSU's, you know, they start off the season 12-0 and 0 and then they have to, they open their SEC schedule against probably the best team in the conference at Auburn who won again last night easily. 
Um, Auburn, to me, is the class of the SEC. And this is one of the – probably, if you look at uh, from top to bottom, this might be the best year of SEC basketball coming up in quite some time. I mean, the top end of the SEC is loaded. The middle's not even that bad. So, I mean, there's only a couple of bad teams in the SEC. And LSU doesn't play any of them until, I think, February. They've got a brutal start to the SEC schedule. So, um, you heard Jay Billis talk about it last night if you watched the game. I mean, what you need to do in the SEC is win your home games and steal a couple on the road. And, you know, this LSU team, if they can do that, they can be poised to be a top, you know, I, I think I think saying three or four is not out of the question, a uh, three or four seed. That's a long way down the road. You're talking about two months away. But I liked what I saw from this team last night. Uh, there are obviously some deficiencies. They don't shoot it great from the outside. They're... Passing on the interior is lacking, especially against the big team, and they made some key turnovers. But um, they didn't get a lot of help from the officials last night either. I mean, I looked at one point, you know, LSU had six fouls in the second half, and Kentucky had one. So Kentucky's going to get a lot of breaks when it comes to that. So we're going to be watching that and see how it develops. But I really like what I saw from this Tigers team. They got a lot of spunk. They played with a lot of heart. Uh, the transfer from Missouri looked really good. Uh, Days is a hot and cold kind of shooter, but he is effective on both ends of the basketball, of the basketball court. And LSU plays very good defense, except for that one little lapse right before the half when Will Wade just lost his mind and basically gave up a freebie to the Wildcats. But... They play Kentucky again, I think, in late February. So it's going to be an interesting ride with the LSU basketball team. I think they're at least as good as they were last year. Um, in fact, I think they're maybe a little better when they lost to Michigan in the first round. And um, I think they were, LSU was, what, a nine seed? Or something along those lines. But uh, So it should be an interesting season. It'll be fun to watch as we go along here. Um, and we'll be paying attention to that and talking about that more when the Saints season is over. Um, and we hope that's not uh, Monday morning. We hope they continue to make a run. Uh, obviously, they got to beat the Falcons this week and get a little help from the Los Angeles Rams who are hosting the San Francisco 49ers. You know, I would normally feel bad about where that goes because the Niners have had the Rams numbers of late. But if you look... And we talked about it on Monday. Arizona beating Dallas was a great thing for the Saints because now the Rams have to win to win the division. And they've got a lot on the line. They go from a two seed to a five seed. If they lose and Arizona wins, the Rams are the five seed. And they got to go on the road in the first round and potentially have to go to Green Bay in the divisional round um, if the seeds hold. So that's not something that anybody wants to do so to have your own fate in your hands and to be a two seed and you know that if you win the first round game you're going to be or the wild card round I guess we should call it you know if you win that game you're at home in the second round too in the divisional round so big difference and then you hope somebody trips up Green Bay and you play the NFC championship at home 
I still have Rams and Titans in my or my preseason Super Bowl picks. I don't feel nearly as confident about it. Not that you can feel confident in September about anything. But uh, I'm going to stick with it for now. We'll talk about the playoffs next week. Got to get through this week. Um, and, again, we'll talk about this on Friday. We're going to talk about a lot more things prediction-wise on Friday. I've not written my NFL picks column yet. I will do that today. Uh, that will be out tomorrow morning. And we'll talk about Saints-Falcons and all the other 15 games and what I think is going to happen going into the playoffs. But uh, you got to think the Saints' chances are pretty good this week, especially having lost Atlanta already. And I'm going to talk about this with, with Tripp in a little bit, but uh, it's hard to believe. But the Saints have only lost to the Falcons twice in the same season, once in the Sean Payton era. They, I mean, remember when this, this, this rivalry would go back and forth, back and forth? Whoever won the first one would pretty much win the second one. It's not so much the case as of late. Uh, the Saints have had a lot of success against Atlanta. We'll get that. I'll have a, my – if you, if you haven't seen it, I do a weekly uh, series trends uh, story on game morning. And uh, it'll show you the trends that uh, the two teams have played. Obviously, when you play an AFC team, it's weird. But when you play a division game, it's fun to see. And uh, Matt Ryan, the Saints have been a thorn in Matt Ryan's side throughout his career, and so is Sean Payton. So I know there's no Drew Brees, and everything's a little different now, but uh, we'll talk more about that on Friday. We'll get into predictions. We'll also talk about the national championship game uh, both Friday and Monday, even though it'll be a wrap-up Saints Day on Monday. Of course, we're going to preview Alabama-Georgia in the national championship game. That's coming up Monday night in Indianapolis. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about LSU football last night. Hey, 42-21 to 21 loss to Kansas State. But I will say this. That team, for what they've been through, showed a lot of heart. And I liked what I saw. John Trey Kirkland, the former Lutcher quarterback, uh, who has been a DB and a wide receiver throughout his career, hasn't seen the field all that much at LSU, Um Played his final game at quarterback. So kind of fitting for him. And he, I think he played as well as he could play. I, he was fine. There were a lot of uh, Tigers. I think they said that there were only three defensive starters playing in the game last night. And a bunch of guys obviously missing on offense. Key weapons. Missing his starting running backs. And um, only a, a, a couple of wide receivers that even played a whole bunch. This is a couple guys in the offensive line. So I thought John Trey Kirkland played well, and I thought that uh, LSU gave everything they could, which I didn't know what we would see going into last night in the Texas Bowl. So hats off to Brad Davis and the interim head coach, who I love the quote about, uh, you know, at, at midnight I can go back to being a pumpkin or whatever, however he put it. Going back to being an assistant coach, he will be a part of Brian Kelly's staff, as I understand it. So, I, you know, I think the future for LSU football, they'll, they'll be a team in transition next year. But a team in transition at LSU is a lot better than other teams who aren't in transition. Let's just put it that way. And I think LSU fans will have every reason to expect that uh, they can win eight or nine games next year. We'll have to see what they get out of the transfer portal 
and what happens on signing day coming up uh, the first Wednesday in February, which is just a month away. That is all coming up. But uh, a lot of things going on in sports. The Pelicans uh, fell last night. But, again, same kind of deal. I mean, they're going through their most brutal part of the schedule right now, playing the, I think Zach said it was the number one, number two, number three, and number five records in the NBA. That's the stretch they're in right now. They got down big to the Suns last night and fought, clawed their way back. I think they got to within four at one point. I think they ended up losing by, they lost by double digits, but they still fought all the way through. And um, the most interesting part of the game, I had that one on at the same time I had LSU football on. I thought the most interesting part of that game, if anybody watched it, was they had a kind of a weird foul call on Jonas Valanciunas that he didn't like, and I didn't like either. He was kind of trying to hold the defender off with his back to the defender and his arm stretched out. Really pissed him off when they called the foul there. And he went off for like four or five possessions in a row after that. He was like a man possessed. Great get for the the Pels. And, hey, you know what? I was so down on them in the beginning. They're playing so much better now that they know that Zion Williamson is out for a very long extended period of time. And I think there's a good chance that we don't see him at all this year. Now that they know that, I think they're playing a lot better. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if this team finds a way to get in the bottom tier and find a way in the playoffs. And, you know, kind of like the Saints, different situation. But kind of like the Saints, if this team finds a way to get in the playoffs, wins 36 games or something along those lines, 34, 35, 36 games, which might be good enough to get in, if they do that, then you just got to stand up and applaud Willie Green because he's done a really good job of keeping this team together thus far. They could have folded their tents way back when, when they were, what were they, 1-13 and or 2-14 and or something along those lines. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. And now they've got, I think, 13 wins. So they've done a really good job, and they're going to be fun to watch. Um the rest of the way. They really are. They're fun to watch. If you haven't watched them or given up on them or whatever, and I know a lot of people don't necessarily watch basketball until football's over, but give them a chance. They're, 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 they're a fun team to watch. So we'll get more into the Pelicans when the Saints are over as well. On Datitude, we'll also be changing our weekly uh, broadcast schedule when the Saints are done. I'm not sure if it'll be Tuesday, Friday, or Monday, Friday, but we'll Think about that going forward. We still have football left, right? Saints-Falcons this week touched on it. What do we think? Obviously, the Saints need to win. Rams need to win. ESPN puts the chances at 38%. We're going to talk about that with Mike Triplett in just a minute. And uh, I'm going to question him on the ESPN computer odds because I think that's a little low. He, uh, look, I'm no math whiz, but the Saints are, in my mind, 65% chance to win. Rams are probably 70%. I'm no math whiz, but that seems like the chances of both of those things happen are higher than 38%. Also, computers can't figure into things uh, of, I don't think, uh, implied odds of 
Rams having to win uh, to win the division. They don't want to figure in, I don't think, the uncertainty of San Francisco's quarterback situation. I don't think they figure in San Francisco's problems in the secondary. Um, I don't know. I, computers can't figure in a lot of things, a lot of human elements, a lot of implied elements. So who cares what computers thinks anyway? I don't even think the lines makers care what computers think. They have their the way they figure things out is they rank teams from one to thirty two and come up with a point differential and that's how they normally figure out lines. And if they think that um when they come out with whatever the spread should be, if they think that Aunt Mabel and Drunk Joe are gonna bet on all gonna bet on one team, they may adjust the line significantly. Obviously some teams get um line bias. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kansas City Chiefs. And then other teams get the opposite. Tennessee Titans, the one who probably going to be the one seed in the AFC, still not getting any love. So there are a lot of things I don't understand about spreads and still don't. I've been doing this for a long time. I, lots of things I still don't get. But that's a whole other show. Let's get into talking with Mike Triplett, who had, uh, you know, he, he talked to Sean Payton this morning on the, on the presser. And... Um, Get the general feeling of where this team is. And, I mean, I think we all know what has to happen Sunday, right? It's kind of a blueprint. you got to follow the same blueprint you followed last Sunday. Taysom Hill does just enough to not get the team in trouble. And the defense puts Matty Ice into the turf six or seven times. I mean, that's the winning formula, right? I mean, they could be without tight end Kyle Pitts, who is a serious threat. And um, without him, they're in trouble. I'm, I, I, as we sit here on Wednesday morning, I don't know what his status is, but he, he had trouble getting off the field the other day in their game. So we'll see if he's able to play uh, on Sunday. If they don't have him, I really like the Saints' chances. Right now, as we sit, the Saints are four-point favorites going into the game on Sunday. Los Angeles Rams, I believe, are five-point favorites over the Niners. Let's talk to ESPN's Mike Triplett and get his take on what's coming up on Sunday and beyond, maybe. Welcoming in Mike Triplett of ESPN onto the Datitude podcast. It has been a little while. Mike, how are you doing? I think the last time we talked, you were convinced that Trevor Simeon needed to be replaced. And I guess you're a genius. <laughs> you, you know what's funny? Does that take I, a genius? I wouldn't. Look, I've actually always been but not a Taysom Hill supporter, but like a believer that you can make it work with Taysom Hill. And he hasn't looked that great, I don't think, a quarterback. I don't think any quarterback could behind this offensive line. But it is crazy to think that he's 3-1 as a starter again. <laughs> I actually had some people the other night – um, more than one. There, people are still complaining about Taysom Hill. It, it, it really kind of boggles the mind. And I, and I said, here's the point about Taysom. And they don't get about what I'm saying. I mean, Taysom Hill's not going to be the starter on September whatever, 2022. Taysom Hill's not going to be the starting quarterback. We all know that. So what else would you do right now? I, I say, do you want T- Trevor Simeon back? Well, no, 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 he stinks. Well, do you want Ian Bick? Oh, no, you can't do Ian Book. Well, do you want Jameis Winston to come back with a torn ACL? Well, you can't do that. That's silly. 
Well, of course. So what do you want? You want Alvin Kamara quarterback? What is the, what is the deal? Yeah, actually, they, that's probably their answer. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. He could probably do it, but, I mean, I think I – th- look, Taysom Hill is 3-1 and one as, as this year as yeah. the Saints quarterback. And um, what, what do you see? Um, uh, what, what, is, what is your feel? I mean, obviously, like you talk about, I mean, yeah. he, he's adequate enough to do what this team needs to do to not make mistakes and put the defense in the right position to do what they've been doing. Well, I'm not going to turn in any of Taysom Hill's film from the last three weeks, you know, as the supporting, as, right. as evidence in court to support Taysom Hill's case. I, I actually think it's been a little disappointing. I'm trying to think, what was the game? Was it even the Dallas loss? I think it was the third was quarter first of the one Dallas back. loss. Yeah. I think the third quarter of the Dallas loss was almost the best case of what of of what Taysom Hill should look like didn't he have like eight runs in the third quarter he did because they they couldn't move the ball yeah they couldn't move the ball in the first half and he just I can't believe he doesn't run more like I think he is maybe an adequate passer if if the play is designed well uh, and he sure has gotten a nice rhythm going with Marquez Callaway I think he recognizes that that's a guy who will go up even if he's not open and maybe come down with it. Uh, I really can't believe that we don't see, you know, three design runs and, and three scrambles every quarter. I, I think that's the formula for him. But um, uh, so I, I, the three and one record, I was mostly joking. He, he's not three and one. I mean, the defense, the defense is three and one. They've allowed one total touchdown in that stretch. Um, and that was because Jeff Heath had to come in for a play. <laughs> um, but um my thinking on Taysom Hill is that he could work in this kind of situation. You could manufacture a plan that would work with him because of his legs, because of his mobility, because of that dual threat. But I think what we've seen now with Trevor Simeon, we absolutely saw it with Ian Book, and we've seen it with Taysom Hill, is no quarterback is going to have success behind the offensive line they've been putting out there. No. You, you can't lose You can't lose Ramchek and Armstead. I mean, that was the death knell for – Trevor Simeon, his, his, I, I can't remember if he only played one game without Armstead and Ramchek, but his final game was without Armstead and Ramchek, and they didn't move the ball at all, and they were finally like, all right, well, we can't just have Trevor Simeon back there with one second to throw. we got to put Taysom Hill back there if we don't have an offensive line in front of him. And Taysom Hill's been marginally better with no offensive line, but this offense is going nowhere if they don't get at least one of those tackles back. Speaking of which, what are the chances that it, I mean, I, I just going through and talking to my friends who are, who are beat writers like yourself, I uh, I think Ramcheck appear to me appears to be done. So I, at least for the season, obviously, I don't mean long term. Yeah, I, I asked Sean Payton about him today, and he was you know coy and no specifics as usual, but. Um, you know, I mean, the reason he hasn't gone on IR is because they're holding out some hope. And obviously the same with Teron Armstead, who, who, who comes and practices a little every Friday, giving it a chance. So obviously that seems a little more likely. But, um, I mean, the, the fact that they haven't just said it's over. I mean, they said it's over for a couple other guys. They said it's over for Will Lutz. They said it's over for Michael Thomas. They haven't said that for Ramchek. I, my understanding is they're hoping. Yeah, originally they were hoping he was going to come back in two or three weeks, and I think he, 
suffered a setback or it was worse than, than he thought. So I guess there's still a chance. Uh, today's Wednesday. We'll see the, the practice report today. I mean, Ramchick's not going to play without practicing. So he'll have to get back on the practice field first to give any hope. What's your gut feeling about Toronto Armstead? I mean, to me, it seems like uh, I'm trying to put this as politically correct yeah. as possible. I'm not sure that he seems to be as interested to come back as we might want him to be. I guess that's the nicest way to put it. I have a hard time believing that. I, I, I mean, obviously, there could be some gray area in between where normally Teron Armstead is the kind of guy that says, if you, could, if you can glue my leg onto my body, you can throw yeah. me out there. And now that he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this season, maybe he would be a little more careful and be like, well, if there's a risk of serious re-injury, I've got to be extra careful. But, uh, you know, he's, he's not pulling a Scotty Pippen on the, on the Saints. That's he's not pulling an Antonio he's, Brown. He's, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's uh, yeah, we've got a new name for that. Um, uh, he's trying. I think he's trying like hell to. I, I, look, I think he wants to be healthy enough to play. Now, the the only question mark is what's the barometer? Does he have to be ninety five percent under the circumstances instead of seventy five percent? That that I don't know. But I know he wants to be healthy enough to play and trying his ass off to do it. ESPN's Mike Triplett here on the Datitude podcast on a Wednesday morning. Trip, uh, you were in on the Sean Payton press conference this morning. Anything uh, he said today that he might not have said after the win on Sunday? Well, uh, Jeff Diamond and I were both asking him some questions uh, uh, about this season. I said, you know, that, that this could be the premise of my story as he loves from Bill Parcells. You are what your record is. And that, I said, does this, does this, does this year's record require, you know, an asterisk and footnotes? And he said, no, but look, I, I think rightly so. I think he's proud. If they get to nine and eight and make the playoffs, I, I think he'd be pretty proud of the he job that be. he and the coaching staff did. And, and he had some good lines uh, about, um, you know, brought up a couple of the crazy, he, he said that used to be that some news would break on hex and you'd be like, Oh man, how are we going to deal with this? He said that bar has been lowered to, all right, whatever we got to deal with this. And, and he said, you know, he said evacuating to Dallas feels like two and a half years ago. And I completely agree with him on that. Really does. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it's almost weird if you don't get some kind of stupid news on a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday. <laughs> it really is. It's incredible, man. Um, I mean, here's, here's the one. I mean, I was talking with my editor about my story, and I'm like, well, I, you know, basically I just envisioned the bullet points being, you know, uh, hey, Drew Brees retired. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think everybody thought they would miss the playoffs when Drew Brees retired and nothing else happened. Uh, Drew Brees retired. They got the roster because the salary cap drops by $35 million. Um, Jameis Winston tears his ACL. Michael Thomas never comes back. They evacuate her. Uh, but here's one that, that I think belongs high up there. All, none of that, well, except for Jameis Winston's injury, but losing Breeze, losing Michael Thomas, losing Will Lutz, losing all the players they cut because of the salary cap, even after all of that, when some of the local reporters were picking them to go 6-11 and 11 this year in August, they have set the NFL record for most starters used in a season because of all the injuries and that's COVID the number issues one story. that have come since then. <laughs> that, that's clearly the In fact, I was going to say, if that wasn't what you were going to say, I was going to say it next. That's the number one story. Uh, to me, 
and I've said this multiple times. I don't think I've said it since you've been on last. But to me, if the Saints find a way to even win this game, I don't. If they don't make the playoffs, fine. If San Francisco wins and the Saints win and the Saints win, go nine and eight and have a winning record and don't go to the playoffs, fine. If they win this game, Sean Payton needs to, serious consideration for Coach of the Year. Yeah. I mean, do you agree? I, I, I think part of the reason that won't happen is because they have. Oh, I know it won't happen the, because of no, the, I know, but Hollywood I, I script. I think the main reason that won't happen, and even why a lot of your listeners and Saints fans aren't sold on that, is because they're probably dwelling too much on Sean Payton, the offensive guru. And, and yeah. this offense has right. not figured the, – the offense has not figured out – figured its way through this mess. There's something like 30th in the NFL and in yards How can per you? game. So, some of these – some of these offensive performances have just been dreadful, but uh, this is also what I was saying when I was conceiving the story is if there was a coaching staff of the year award, uh, you yeah. know, I mean, we are talking about Dennis Allen had to like 18th on the list of crazy things that happened. Yeah. Sean Payton wasn't able to attend a game because of COVID and Dennis Allen coaches them to a nine, nothing win at, at Tampa at Bay. Tampa Bay. Tom Brady. Um, but yeah, I mean, Everything they've navigated this year, the fact that, you know, the defense has turned into the best defense in the NFL out of necessity. Uh, I, I think it's a combination of Sean Payton, Dennis Allen, P. Carmichael, Brian Nielsen, Darren Rizzi. I mean, like, the, the st- you know, Dan Rauscher, the staff they've put together, the amount of times they've had to have, you know, graduate assistants come in <laughs> more right. than once because of COVID. Um, the coaching job by this staff overall has has been all time, yeah. The meme of the week is uh, a meme of Antonio Brown running off the field with his fist in the air, holding a sign, obviously manufactured, that says Tom Brady lost to Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill this year. I mean, how does this team beat the Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers twice? And I mean, we they didn't go just with- beat the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> 38 to three. It's insane. I mean, and, and look, you play Green Bay at any other time. It's not good. You had all the Aaron Rodgers offseason stuff. They were coming in. No one knew what to expect, but still. I mean, in uh, the defense, uh, I don't even know what else we can say about Dennis Allen. I mean, does Dennis Allen uh, become on a short list of NFL head coaches next year? I mean, no one's even talking about him, but he's got to be on a yeah. list, right? Uh, you know, he got a couple interviews last year. I think he'll get some more interviews this year, and it could certainly happen for him. I mean, obviously, he has to he has to have phenomenal defense, and he has to you know he he's playing with the handicap of the the stigma of a of a previous failed head coaching stint. So, you know, um, if if a zero time head coach put together the the last few seasons that he had, he probably would have gotten a shot by now. And I think Den- Dennis Allen has to go above and beyond because because he's had the opportunity. I mean, I guess it's similar for Todd Bowles, who I think uh, might be one step ahead of him in line, um, um, but similar circumstances. But you know, I, th- I think that's one thing he's working against. Uh, but certainly, you know, to, to to finish the season the way he's he's done and to have that, you know, Sunday night showcase where he shut out Tom Brady as the acting head coach and the defensive coordinator. Um, I, I would imagine both teams put him on their list at the very least. Okay. I'm drawing a blank. I I'm, I'm getting old. I have brain cramps. What about, I mean, the new England offensive coordinator keeps getting talked about all the time. What's his name again? Tell me. Well, 
Josh McDaniels, and that's a good example. He's got he's got twice the stigma of Dennis Allen. Uh, Otherwise, (laughs) otherwise he probably would have been hired by now. (laughs) But he's been. I mean, he he's had his chances. Dennis Allen has less stigma than Josh McDaniels. Yes. (laughs) But yet, if he wanted a head coaching job, he probably could get one. And maybe he's the lion and wait coach at New England. Who knows? I mean. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Bill Belichick might not retire till he's 90. He might, he and Nick Saban might ride off in the sunset together. Who knows? Um, if they keep winning, who, who, who the heck knows? Um, what's the, what is the feeling? Do you think among, I mean, obviously everybody knows it's a playoff game. It's a winner. It's, it's just yeah. like last week. It's, it's winner. You go home type game. What sense do you get? Do you think they can come out, especially the defense, obviously, with the same effort that they put together. It's hard to have that kind of effort two weeks in a row. No, you're right. It is. And, 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 you know, I don't, I never know. I never try to diagnose human nature because that's something that people love to point out after the fact they came out flat. It was a trap game, but you never know when that's actually well, there's no trap game in week 18. That's- exactly. Well, um, unless, unless they stop and take a breath at some point, like, whew, Got through that Carolina game. All right. right just need right. one more. And then, like, you know, somebody punches him in the mouth. Like, for instance, like Atlanta did the last time they played each other. Um, you know, this Atlanta team came out of nowhere with the offense that they uh, uh, posted. I mean, wasn't it? A that deep was in pass? November, though. It, it would have been a deep pass to Kyle Pitts over Marshawn Lattimore's head on the first play, and they didn't yeah. connect. And you're like, oh, they dodged a bullet there. And then it was a deep pass to Kyle Pitts, like, two plays later. Um, and, and they got them in that game. So those games do exist even for a great defense. And frankly, the first quarter against Carolina was not their best. Um, you know, they were, they were missing tackles, letting guys get loose. Uh, and then that touchdown was gross. And, and, and I think it took them a quarter before they were like, all right, enough messing around. We can't afford to give anything up. Um, so, you know, obviously it's possible to have lapses. But the way they've been playing and, and, and sort of the urgency and intensity, they're playing like a defense that knows they can't even give up one touchdown. And, and I'm sure they'll bring that same sense of urgency into this game. Well, the good news is, I, and, well, not good news, and, and, and I hate to say injuries are, are good news because they're really not. Uh, You've got to think about the, the player that's got the injury. Sure. But uh, Atlanta could be without Kyle Pitts this week. And you talked about Kyle Pitts. He's obviously a major part of their offense. If they don't have Kyle Pitts, obviously they're already they've been without Calvin Ridley for half the season, and you know you put everything on Kadarrell Patterson's uh, you know lap, so to speak. And I know mm-hmm. they have they have other talented receivers engaged in Zacchaeus, but uh, you know I I just wonder what Atlanta to me there's a major difference between being having the schedule not to forget the draft pick. There's a major difference between being the second place team in the NFC South and the third place team in the NFC South. When you look at next year's schedule and who the different teams you'll have to play, even if though it's only three games different. Yeah. I mean, I mean to me, I don't, I, what I don't necessarily agree for? that. Cause I just, I, I just looked at that. It's only three games. One of them. We don't know. Even if, even if you told me the Saints are going to win, we don't know because it'll come down to that Chargers Raiders game. Um, whoever loses that game is third, you know, whoever wins that game is second, whoever loses that game is third. And, and we'll, you know, one of those teams will come to the dome. And the other one was either Philadelphia or Washington in the East. And I think they're pretty close, but what, what was the other one? Was it uh, well, Philadelphia is going to be the two seed. So, I mean, that, that's done. Right. Uh, but the, I mean, depending on if the saints finish second or third, it's Philadelphia or Washington. The, the other one trip. is going to be Minnesota or Chicago. And that one's pretty, pretty 
the yeah, Fenner. that's kind of even too, frankly. <laughs> frankly, because oh, Minnesota know. might have a new coach and a new quarterback next year. But, uh, but you're right. But I, I, I don't think that's too drastic compared to what they could be sometimes. I mean, if we were talking about number one versus number two, you know, I mean, certainly that's why the Saints keep playing Green Bay every year, and that's yeah. why the Saints keep playing. Uh, uh, you know, um, you know, is that the what they Dallas have to go? Of the the world, yeah. Stuff like that, Dallas every year. Uh, so, so one way or another, there'll be a little let up, a little let up. That, that, that'll be the one benefit of not winning the NFC South for the first time in five years. Yeah. You know, it, in every year you go into the schedule and, and this year in particular, and that to me, that's part of what makes this year even more impressive is we looked at this schedule going into the year and I'm like, this thing is brutal. I mean, and then of all the, uh, you get of the AFC South teams, you get Tennessee. And I mean, I, I guess in the grand scheme of things, yeah. now that we're here, there's not that big of a difference between Tennessee and Indianapolis. And you got Tennessee at the right time and you kind of choked it away almost, but, but just to look at it on the periphery, you know, yeah, it, 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 well, was, I, it was a brutal to your point to your point. I, um, again, like, the Saints were going to lose five in a row, no matter what. That that te- they they hit a, they hit That's a right. rut where they were just going to lose those five in a row. They had too many injuries. Quarterbacks weren't playing well enough. Alvin Kamara missed four of those games. The offensive tackles missed those games. Uh, it's not like it's not like I think they would have won. But I just realized that that five game losing streak was the two point loss in the last second to Atlanta, and then four playoff teams in a row. So it's not like you know they lost to the Jets in that stretch, or they lost to the Jaguars in that stretch. I mean, they lost to Buffalo, Dallas, Philadelphia, and uh, who am I forget? But it was it was four straight play, uh, Tennessee. It was Tennessee, four straight right. playoff games in that stretch. So, um, you know, even the five-game losing streak, it, you know, doesn't look. It's not, <laughs> not, just, not just four playoff teams, but three potential yeah. Super Bowl contenders. Three of the yeah. four, are, yeah. in my mind, Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. So um, um, two, that, that Tennessee game, it's funny that you say choked away the Tennessee game. Look, I think we all would agree, obviously, that the Giants loss was the worst loss of the season because it, it was oh, almost no mathematically, yeah, it was almost mathematically impossible to lose that game. But um, it felt like they were playing with a little bit of house money at the time. It, you know, it didn't feel like a season ender. But I, I, I think of all the things Sean Payton has had to deal with all year and the coaching staff and the team. I, th- I think he was just beside himself after that Tennessee game because I, I feel like in his mind he was given the Dennis Green speech. They are who we thought they were, and we let yeah. them off the hook. That, like, right. that Tennessee team looked like the 30th best team in the NFL that week, and the Stinks looked like the 31st best team in the NFL last week. That, that was a team that was ripe to get beat, and the Saints had a really good chance to beat them, and obviously that – that that BS penalty call really really uh, you know stuck yeah, with them. Yeah, don't get me started. I, I think, I think it was Sean in the Payton first half, though. I think Sean Payton knew they could beat the Titans, knew they should have beat the Titans, and and I think that one stuck with him for a long time as one that he was like, you know, we had a chance to keep this season afloat. I can't believe we didn't pull that one off, right? Especially something came right down the heels of, of letting Atlanta off. Of what are you doing, channeling your best Jim Mora? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but you mentioned that Tennessee game. I, I keep being stunned that Tennessee is the number one seed in the AFC because I'm like, if, if you, like, I think the Giants your coach of the year. Tennessee, like that, that might be the worst opponent <laughs> except for the Jets. Tennessee looked terrible in that game. I can't believe they have rallied to become the number now, one team in the AFC. Yeah, not to get off track, but 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 why isn't Mike Vrabel getting more talk about being the NFL coach of the year? 
To me, he, he probably is. I, I he's got to be. Yeah, I, I would think. You know, a lot of times you 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 credit the coach who just took over and, and got his team, you know, to the seventh seed. Uh, but that doesn't really exist this season. Um, so I think it's probably Lafleur and Vrabel. It'll probably be the two one seed guys who probably get the most love. Well, I mean, Zach Taylor's going to get some love too, and he should. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, I mean, it's, it's but you know. You know, we talk about fantasy teams. You, you wish you had Jamar Chase on your team last week, but that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> Mike Triplett of ESPN here on the Datitude Podcast on a Wednesday morning. Mike, um, what is your sense about this week? Uh, we, we can hem and haw about the 49ers who actually have had a, a very very nice tracks uh, success of uh, recent history of success against the Rams. So... More success well, than you had spitting out that phrase. Very much so. And I fumbled at least once uh, <laughs> every show for like the, this is like a, a streak of seven now. I've, I've fumbled at least once. But what is your sense of going into the week? I just don't, I just don't feel like they're going to fumble here. I, I don't, I feel like the Saints are, are going to be focused to me, biz, be businesslike and go in and have the same formula. And I, I kind of think you will have more of Taysom running the ball because we haven't seen yeah. it. And I think that, Sean is going to want to come up with something that they haven't seen a lot of. Well, you're asking me too early because I don't know if either offensive They're tackle right. is going to. Right, right. And, and I've thrown my sense of what I think the Saints are going to do out the window during the stretch. Like, <laughs> like I, I, haven't, I haven't written this article um, because it's not a very sexy article. It doesn't lend itself to a good headline. But I think, I think the one takeaway from this Saints season is, holy cow, it it hurts worse than you think to lose you know, Teron Armstead, Ryan Ramchek, and Andrus Pete. Even even Andrus Pete, you know who people love to hate. You can't lose that much offensive line. Their 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 offense. You know, even when even when we were complaining early in the year, they didn't have enough receivers and tight ends. Uh, you know, they still had the offensive line that that was grinding out drives and putting points on the board. And their offense just can't. Do and it, I mean that nine nothing win over Tampa Bay? It was like it was six nothing for most of the game, and you're like, oh my god, can they get to nine? Because they're you know if they give up one touchdown, they're going to lose this game seven to six. It you know you could say everything you want about attitude. You, you know are they in the right frame of mind? They they need to be able to score twenty points, and and until they get the offensive line back, they can't score twenty points. But other than that the defense is doing absolutely everything it can. And it's, it's mostly healthy, mostly intact. I'm sure they'll get Marcus Williams back. If they get an offensive tackle back, this, this, this could be a competitive team. It really could be. Uh, but that's, that's the key is, is, you know, you feel a lot better about them. If, if they've got a couple more offensive linemen back, they'll definitely get Eric McCoy back. That'll help a little bit. Well, here's one thing too. And I, I think this goes unnoticed. And I, and I, I realize that, Drew Brees was here before, so it, 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 it's tough to compare the two. But Sean Payton's only lost to the Falcons twice in the same season once. That's hard to believe. I mean, it, it, considering, obviously, you play them twice every season, and they're usually decent. Um, they haven't been great as of late. But, I mean, you're talking about a team that went to the Super Bowl four or five years ago, and they've only lost to this team twice in the same season once uh, the last time they lost to him, besides 2016, in the same season, was the dreaded 2005 season when they lost to everybody. So, uh, Sean Payton is, trust me, I don't think it's just because they're going to the playoffs. There's something about this team. 
he doesn't want to lose it. I mean, of course you don't yeah. want to lose it. I mean, but he's going to have something a little extra special, I think, just because of it because it's Atlanta. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely possible. Uh, it's kind of scary how that sets up, though. That <laughs> I mean, isn't this isn't this the year of all years where uh, uh, you know? They don't get in the playoffs because they lose to Atlanta twice. I mean, it's I, I, that would I hurt double double I bad. I know I can't I can't uh, you know beat Tampa Bay twice, lose to Atlanta twice. That that would be so twenty twenty one of them. But uh, but yeah, look, I'm picking the Saints to win this game. Um, I would pick the Rams to beat the Niners, but both of them are probably like sixty percent chance, which is why you know when you do the math, the Saints are only have a thirty eight percent chance to make the playoffs. They need two things to happen. I'm glad you brought that up, Mr. ESPN. I got an issue with these ESPN. I don't know what computer odds that they are calculating things from, but I have an issue. First off, 38% is way too low. Okay. And I'm not being a, I'm, I'm usually called Derry Downer. Okay. So well, hold on. let's, let's do math. Let's do math here. Let's go ahead and I, do I math. Came home and I, told, I came home and I told my wife, I go, I learned something interesting about math because that, that blew me away too. I'm like, how can you only be 38% if the Saints are favored to win and the, but here's the reason. Give me your percent likelihood that the Saints win. Realistically, I think the Saints are well. According to ESPN, it was sixty-two percent. According, so right. I'll just use you yours, like, and I you think that's about yours. right. Okay, I'd say it's sixty-five. I'd say it's sixty-five percent. But that's Let's that's call fine. it sixty-five. All right. Now, what is your percent chance that the Rams beat the Niners? Considering that they have to win to win the division and San Francisco has been a little bit free falling. They don't know if Jimmy G is going to play. If he does, he won't be effective, which you have to take all those things into account. I'd say it's about 70% that the Rams win. All right. So even if we go with your 65 and 70, which are more optimistic than the computers, that is still a total of 45% when you multiply them together, because that's how math works, you know? (laughs) Look, look, buddy. I'm from the West Bank. You're trying to throw, <laughs> you're trying to throw them out. But okay, here's another one for I, you. I, okay, I, I, I did the same thing with a calculator in the locker room. I'm like, oh, I guess that does make sense. Like, if you give them both a 62% chance to win, it it it, it multiplies out to 38%, which is what it is. So, if I don't have an um, Excel spreadsheet, I can't figure yeah. anything out. But 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 it's like you know, if there's a 62% chance plus a 62% chance. You know. Um, you know, you you need both. So you know, there's two out of three times the Saints will win. Two out of three times the uh, the the Rams will win. But only, that only becomes you know closer to one out of three times that okay, they well, both here, win. So, here's another know? one. Here's <laughs> another issue I have with uh, with the ESPN odds thing. The Chargers and Raiders are basically playing in an elimination game. I mean, there's yeah. a minuscule chance that the Chargers get in if they lose, but it's 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 right. it's very tiny. I mean it. Indy's right. not losing to the Jaguars. You can throw that's ninety-eight. I don't care what your odds say. It's ninety-eight. Right, 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 right. Jags, okay. And then the Raiders. The only way they get in if they can't lose, but they could possibly tie. The, the chances of a tie are about zero point one percent. Right. I mean, being although realistic. there is there is a hilarious scenario. Yeah, if they if they tie, I'd love right. Love to see play out where both teams would get in with a tie. And if Andy I mean, loses to the Jets, obviously the NFL. I, yeah, I think like three teams have to lose for that to be true. Yeah, but man, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be fascinating? I mean, the right answer would be like if it was your fantasy championship, you'd handshake agreement to bench all your starters and say, "All right, let's both go to the playoffs." Obviously, two NFL teams would never do that, but that would be weird if they're like, "So wait, we can agree to kneel on every play, 
go to the playoffs and not get anyone hurt tonight. They'd want to so bad. What would the I NFL do in that situation? It, I, <laughs> I know it's crazy. I mean, anyway, you, you're the one that put this players. game on Monday, but 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 that that's that's to my point of Chargers are 58 percent to go to the playoffs, and the Raiders are 51 percent. There is no way that adds up. There's no way there's a nine percent chance. Basically, what you're saying. I mean, if you uh, 58 and 51 is 109. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. They're playing an elimination game. There's not a 9% chance that something fluky happens there. No, I promise you that that does work, though. I promise okay. you that that does work. Because it's the same thing if you add up, like, the Eagles, Niners, and Saints' chances of making the playoffs. It goes way over 100, um, even though all three of them can't make it. it, it it's like you got it's like it's 109 divided by two is what it probably is. Like, okay. you, know, so, you know, it's, it's like they both have a 54% chance because they could win to get in or they could get help to get in. I, I don't know why it works, but I promise it does. Well, I will say this, <laughs> whoever, is, whoever figured out your, the, your company's formula is a lot smarter than I am. So, but still, I mean, I, I, I'm just first of all, doesn't make any sense. Going back to your going back to your percent chances of the Saints winning and your percent chances of the Rams winning, uh, whatever the normal percent chance of a favorite winning a game is, you got to subtract ten this year because well, there's not been a predictable result in the NFL all season. I mean, you could <laughs> see both of them losing. I mean, and then that's good for the Eagles, I guess, because they move up to the sixth spot and and the. Uh, not that it matters all that much if you're six or seven, but uh, I mean, I, I don't think the Eagles care this one week, this week, one way or the no, other. They're yeah, in. The Eagles, the Eagles have two ways to become the sixth seed. They're they're the sixth seed if well, they're the sixth. If the Saints seed. win, right? If the Saints, if, if the, the Saints win, the Niners if, lose. Yeah. I, I guess they need the Niners to lose. They need the Niners to lose either way to to be the sixth seed. Uh, or well, they could win or have the Niners lose to be the sixth seed. But yeah, I agree that uh, you know Philly will probably rest their stars. I actually think Dallas doesn't have much of a chance to get out of the fourth seed. There's a chance that that Saturday night primetime game is two teams resting their starters, even though Dallas said they're going to play. I would say Dallas. They keep saying they're playing everybody. I, I mean, I don't know why you would. You know, we've seen we've seen Sean Payton do that before too, where he wants them to prepare that way all week, and then you know at the end of the first quarter they start sitting everyone who really matters. You and know, kind of preseason. Um, Okay, before we let you go, just just tell me um, not not so much about this week, but just what what are we going to be writing when this season's finally put to bed, and um, and we start thinking we haven't had a chance to even reflect at all. I mean, like you talk right. about, Ida seems like two and a half years ago. It's it's just to think that that's yeah. where we started. To think about Jameis Winston throwing five touchdown passes against the Packers. I mean. That really does. It, it seems like last year. I mean, I, I start trying to put things together, and this just whole whole year has been so surreal without Drew and yeah. trying to figure things out. It's up been until, so uh, up until Sunday they had as many home wins in Jacksonville as they had in the Superdome. This that's year. insane. <laughs> I mean, it really and it, and it was Tampa Bay. I said that last yeah. week. Yeah. Of, of all, you've won one game in the Dome all year. If I would have told you that in August, they were going to win one game all year going into the finale, and it yeah. was Tampa Bay, you would have told me I was out of my box. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but just your, uh, your sense of what are you going to be writing well, a, a month wanna, from now? I don't want to end this podcast on a downer because I think if they make the playoffs, I think it's a great achievement, and it, it should almost be celebrated as gritty, even though I've seen the uh, – 
the everyone's just hating that they're they're blowing a top ten draft pick by winning these games. I'm not I'm not in oh, that. Give camp. me a break. Who cares? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, uh, and, and I know what my first article will be the week after the you know it was the season is it was a, it was a you know admirable effort to to still make this a worthy season. But there's a lot of questions about where this team is headed in the future. Because I think if you were going to rank their five best players on their team, they, you know, they all come with a big question. You know, several of them come with a question mark. Cam Jordan's 32. Demario Davis is 32. Malcolm Jenkins is 33. He's not, he, you know, he might be the 10th best player on the team. But, you know, they're going to need to reload that defense. Teron Armstead is an unsigned free agent who's going to be 30 uh, and is dealing with injury issues. Marcus Williams is an unsigned free agent. Quan Alexander is an unsigned free agent. Do you keep Andrews Pete? You know, you have to shave $70 million off the salary cap. Do you keep Michael Thomas? Um, who is going to be the quarterback? You know, maybe they will make a play for Russell Wilson, but then they would have no money left after that. So this is a team that has to decide, are they going to keep doing this, patch it together, reload it, and try to make the playoffs this year? Or, or is there an actual rebuild coming? Because this is not like the 2017 Saints who are, who are young and on the rise. This, this is a team that is going to be losing more key parts than, than it's going to be gaining uh, for a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, and I, the reason why I would say, I think you patchwork is because I don't know how much longer Sean Payton's going to coach. I mean, you have to be realistic. I mean, he's, he's getting close to 60 now and I don't think he's, the kind of guy who's going to want to coach until he's in his seventies. So I don't know. I mean, do you, you want to put one more Super Bowl run together? How long does it take if you get a Russell right. Wilson and, and put those things together? I think that's all needs to be taken into consideration. I feel right? like that'll be their approach. I, I feel like they will uh, will do this whole other podcast. I, I think it'd be hard to get Russell Wilson just because I think there'll be teams with better draft picks outbidding them. Um, but uh, I think I think Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis and just the the mentality of this organization, yeah, I, I think they'll rebuild over their dead body. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I I think they're going to Mickey go too. Quarterback. Yeah. How, how much longer does Mickey want to do it? Yeah, you know I don't know. Anyway, but well, I'll, I'll leave you with this. I, I think that the the reason why they do have a good chance to get Russell Wilson is obviously he's made it clear he's only going to not even a handful of teams. A finger, a few fingerful of teams. I mean, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But uh, and yeah, the Saints still, are obviously I mean, on the list. Uh, look, if the Giants, if the Giants only offer the fifth pick in the draft, I think that's more than the Saints could offer total. What could yeah. the Saints say? You know, like, the Saints. Going to give up on Danny Dimes? Lakers, Anthony Davis. What? You're going to give up on Danny Dimes? Come on now. <laughs> Although I think Never. he, if they do give up on him. He's not a terrible quarterback. I wouldn't mind seeing him here. He's better than anything we have right now, but that's another story. Well, look, I mean, Jameis Winston could probably same, sign for the same yeah. price. So you have a, a bar. It's like, for sure. do you look at Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you look at bringing no. Teddy Bridgewater back? And the question is only if they'll play for $5 million because they're not decisively better than Jameis Winston. Quarterback is so weird. It's like you either make $27 million or more, or under 10. And it's like, you know, if they can get Jameis back for under 10 million, you've got to be pretty special. You've got to be Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, basically. Otherwise, otherwise that's what they'll probably go back to. I can't see paying Jimmy Garoppolo $27 million instead of Jameis Winston five. Man, I, I tell you that I, 
I love the progress that Jameis Winston made from week yeah. one to week five. And he he was definitely better and fit in by week five than I, or week six or whatever the hell week he got hurt. But trying to win a Super Bowl or making a long run with Jameis Winston, I don't know that that can happen. But he's definitely the better thing than I like about we have right now. With the current team is what they wouldn't give right now with this. Oh, there's no question. For, for a guy who can give you a one play touchdown drives the, you it know, is. it used to be, it used to be you wanted 15 play drives and that was the formula here right now. They need somebody who can provide magic. Well, they did clinch so, the playoff berth already by now. If Jameis Winston had got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. Anyway, trip, I appreciate your time, but uh, look, uh, yep. what, by the way, what happened to your Iowa Hawkeyes? They, <laughs> Here's the problem with the Iowa Hawkeyes today. They 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 entered a contest they shouldn't have entered. Uh, they shouldn't have they shouldn't have been in the Big Ten championship game, and they never should have been number two in the country with all eyeballs on them. There, I, I was joking with somebody. There is no team in sports that has been the exact same for 20 years more than the Iowa football team. They are true. always they are the 18th or 20th best team in the country every single year. They are. An eight and four team every single year. They're never better, never worse. So when when they were accidentally ranked number two and everybody watched them, you know, it seemed embarrassing. And then when they got into the Big Ten championship game and got destroyed by Michigan, you know, they, they should have just gone back to, you know, they, they should have beat Kentucky at the bowl game, though. But that look, that they're they're a good team. They're not a great team. So when when people thought, oh, I was great this year, that, that was bad. That was bad for everyone to to see that. <laughs> it could be worse. I guess you could be Purdue. Yeah. I mean, sure. I mean Purdue. There's a lot. Yeah, you could be Indiana, you could be Illinois. Like, I'm happy with I, you know, we're right, right there at the Michigan State level. We're the fifth best, you know, always jockeying for fit, you know, fourth or fifth ish. <laughs> yeah. No, a step below Wisconsin. We okay. strive to become Wisconsin. <laughs> well, you strive to become Wisconsin. Okay, well, you know, they're, they're, I guess they're better worse than thing. Nebraska. Though. We're better than uh, Nebraska every year. LSU would have liked to have been Iowa this year. I'll just say that. Yeah, um, who's going to win the national Iowa never gives, Iowa never has an LSU season either. But we, you know, yeah, well, we're, maybe. Not, we're not really a top five team. But you can never get never, a, a really good quarterback. I know that would make all the difference. It really would. One of these years, who's going to win a national championship? You know, I haven't paid close enough attention. I okay. would have told you that I would have told you Alabama versus Georgia. I'm smart enough to know that, but I, I, <laughs> that was yeah. tough. <laughs> I'll pick I'll pick Alabama and, and every year, and and probably 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 yeah. never go broke if I pick Alabama every year. <laughs> you're gonna be right more than you're wrong for sure. Yeah. Trip, thanks for taking time out on a Wednesday morning. I appreciate it, and uh, we will. We're gonna talk to. Hey, look, if the Saints make a deep run, uh, we'll have a, yeah. we'll have a, have a talk. And this strange year, who the heck knows what's going to happen with this team? Look, there's no individual game that they can't win. You know? That's absolutely uh, true. Their, their path will be hard. Their only path is at Rams, at Packers. There's no other possible scenario. It would have to be at Rams, at Packers. Um, so it's a shame that they can't go play Tampa Bay. With <laughs> They'd practically be fake. It really is because they don't match up well against the Rams <laughs> at all. I mean that that's like probably I don't I, I yeah Aaron Don, Aaron Donald against this interior offensive line Aaron Donald good. and Von Miller but no thanks on the flip side I could see I could see them keeping the Rams out of the end zone I mean uh, yeah, they know, could pick Matt Stafford been, 
Yeah, they could pick Stafford yeah, off three yeah, or four exactly. times. So there's no individual game they can't win when their defense is on, but it's it's hard to predict a it's hard to predict enough consistency that it would take to win four games in a row. <laughs> well, I know beat writers get worn out this time of year, but I know uh, I, I'm certain that you and your cohorts would like to write about this team playing a game at least one more week. Um, it would make for a great story when it's all over. So yeah, I hope you and get I'm that. with you on finishing nine and eight playoffs or no playoffs. Uh, the, the tone will be so different if they, if they finish nine and eight and made a good run at it versus blew it by losing to Atlanta. I don't know if I can, I, I think I might have to log it off Twitter for a week if they lose to Atlanta, <laughs> because you know, the, the people who have turned on the Saints have turned loudly and strongly on them. <laughs> Agree wholeheartedly. My friend will be talking to you soon and uh, get your Cubs gear out of the closet. It, hopefully they'll be playing baseball before too long. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Bye. Fellow Cubs fan, Iowa Hawkeye, Saints beat writer Mike Triplett. Oh, Tripp is a cool dude, man. He's We've been playing fantasy baseball together for about, <clears throat> I don't know, about 20 years now. Uh... We've shared some interesting moments. We were both at the World Series in 2016. And uh, and I got to say, in my sports life, uh, as a fan, not so much as a part of this business, but uh, as a fan, that's certainly in the top one or two moments of, of my life, for sure. We know what else is in there. No need to bring that up. Um, I want to thank Tripp for joining us on a Wednesday. Beat writers are very busy this time of year, as we all know. Um, and we look forward to seeing what he has to, to write going forward. Obviously, uh, we'll be paying attention to our own Jeff Duncan and Amy Just and Luke Johnson as well and seeing what they have to write. Uh, that's going to be just about it for episode 42. Um, don't forget, hey, if you want more talk on the Saints and the Falcons coming up, we'll have plenty of it on tomorrow's At The Book Show featuring Cashing In With Carville. You can check that out as long as well as our other two shows. On Mondays, we have Odds and Ends, Zach Ewing, Devin Jackson, and myself wrapping up the weekend that was. And obviously this Monday we'll have a big one, not only just talking about Saints Falcons, but uh, previewing the Crimson Tide playing the Bulldogs. It's not the SC Championship game part two. It's the National Championship game. Obviously, that'll take place Monday in Indianapolis. We'll be talking about that on Monday. And then Fantasy Roundup with Zach and uh, Spencer, their guru, Urquhart, also on bet.nola.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Datitude. You can listen to this show every for now every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. When the season is finally over, we'll be switching to two days a week. Uh, just search in your favorite podcast location for Datitude, and make sure you subscribe so you can find out when this next show is been made live. And then you can reach me at jderry at theadvocate.com or on Twitter at Jim Derry Jr. If you got a question or a comment for the show, be happy to put it out there. So just uh, I'm easy to get in touch with. I'm not a hard man to get in touch with. Um, on Friday, we will have Conductor Dave and Uncle Big Nick uh, coming on with our picks for the weekend. And uh, we'll have especially Uncle Big Nick's pick for the national championship game. I'm sure mine will be in there as well. 
And then uh, next week's going to be fun. We hope it, uh, it's, it's, we're talking about Saints playoffs. We're, we're, we hope we're talking about Saints Rams in the playoffs because that's the only thing it could be. If this, the Saints make the playoffs, it's going to be the Rams. And if they win that one, it's going to be the Packers. We'll worry about that when the time comes, right? For now, just appreciate that your team is still alive and who knows what's going to happen the rest of the way. We will talk to you on Friday with our picks. Have a good rest of the week. Peace and love, my friends. You found your sweet little sister, don't miss when she ain't.